0: For the love of home.
1: Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and welcome to Queer Stories, the podcast for the LGBTQI storytelling night I host and program. Queer Stories events happen regularly in Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne, and I'm also now hosting them in regional towns. If you enjoy these stories, please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast, and consider buying a copy of the Queer Stories book, a collection of 26 of the stories, edited by me and published by Hachette. I'm really proud of this collection and I hope you enjoy it too. This week, Barley Padda is the ultimate slashy. Actor, producer, director, development executive and diversity advisor for Australia's theatre and screen industry. He's the chair of the MEAA's Equity Diversity Committee and is also part of their National Performers Committee. He's performed in theatres around the world as well as on TV. He's even played a hipster on Home and Away. Bali Patter.
2: I often wonder if people remember their first ever haircut. (laughs) The excitement, yeah? The fear... The sharp objects flying deftly yet dangerously at your face, your (laughs) moneymaker. A random person intimately getting inside your personal space and severing literal fibres from your being. (laughs) I used to work for one of Australia's busiest hair salons. I would watch with fascination how the hairdressers would go from being the best friend of an elderly female Bondi resident uh, to basically the Babadook terrorising young kids coming in for one of their first haircuts. (laughs) I watched the cutest kids wince in fear at sharp and shiny scissors that would glint under the halogen lights like a sharp tooth glints in a cartoon wolf's mouth whilst hunting a little pig. The terrifying buzz of hair clippers as the chattering and gnashing metal teeth are aimed at such delicate scalps. Freaking terrifying! (laughs) Does anyone remember their first haircut? Yeah. Someone does, yeah? No? No? Well, I do. I was 24 years old. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. Fuck, was he raised by wolves? Wow, he turned out all right. How does he speak English so well? (laughs) That's not my story. Uh, My parents were migrants from Punjab in northern India, ...and practice the Sikh faith. I know what you're thinking. How does he speak English so well? (laughs) You're all fucking racist. (laughs) One of the most conspicuous identifiers of the Sikh religion is the Pag, or the Turban. Uh, The Turban was traditionally worn by royalty, so the last living guru of Sikhism decreed that every sick wear a turban in a way of elevating people and championing equality. Everyone could be a king or queen. Yes, queen. (laughs) They didn't say that back then. (laughs) They should have, right? Yeah. So under that turban is unshorn hair, the idea being that by keeping your body and hair the way God provides, you are honouring this gift and ultimately are closer to God. My dad is a Sikh priest. Um, However, being the son of a religious leader wasn't very remarkable. Um, We were a normal family with our ups and downs, basically brown seventh heaven. Um, (laughs) So religion was an everyday part of our life in our family, yet it was never explained why we did that, why we practiced this faith. For me, I just couldn't figure out what practising religious meant. Regardless, I kept on with the optics of being a faithful Sikh and turban and all. In my early 20s, I started to grapple with my personal identity. Yeah, gasp, surprise. (laughs) Um, What did my parents' culture mean to me? Could I carry that with me, heading out to parties and Saturday nights in city pubs and bars, being told to take your hat off by Darrow (laughs) Bouncer's? feeling like a total outsider on my visits to Oxford Street, where did I fit in? I, I reckon my dad began to sense this and he started to present me with literature and textbooks about Sikhism. I politely, I think I was polite, but tried being a gay Indian boy from Blacktown, you know, having a major identity crisis. I, I'm sure I was a major turn burger to my parents. <laughs> my dad, mostly. Um, I politely declined the textbooks and gave a non-committal grunt you know, indicating that I'll come and find them later. Through a lot of work on myself, things came to a head, a turban-clad head, and I realised I was ready to make a choice about religion being part of my life. I asked my big brother for advice on how to approach my parents about what was on my mind, and he suggested that I um, take it upon myself to do the research, to really understand the religion and maybe become inspired. And... Um, I approached my dad one morning asking for those textbooks, his face lit up like he was so proud but oh boy little did he know he was providing me with the ammunition (laughs) for my machine gun of disappointment. (laughs) So after said researching I found my answer and made my tentative approach to my dad. Uh, We chatted for about two hours. And eventually he told me that he would be disappointed, but ultimately supported my choice and loved me no matter what. I know. (laughs) Fast forward a few months later, and I'm sitting with my friends, Riss and Steve, in an Irish pub in New York, still with a metre or so of hair wrapped up in a turban. So much for the big snip. It wasn't that easy, it turns out. I feared losing a part of me and my identity that I had had with me for 24 years. I confess that in all the circles I moved in, I was the only one with the turban, and I was afraid of what, happen- what would happen if I wasn't the guy with the turban anymore. And Stevie turns to me a- and says, Barley, you're not special because you have a turban. You are special and you have a turban. Fucking beautiful, eh? <laughs> So we all started crying into our pints of Guinness at that point. <laughs> so we gather some composure and Riss asks, So what now? I don't know. That's not how she talks. I don't know why I did it that way. Sorry, Riss. Um, uh, we'll go back to neutral from here. <laughs> so what now? I don't know. I'm scared, I say. That's okay, but what now? She provokes. I take a breath and consider, give me two weeks, I need to call my family and tell them it's happening. Can you guys come with me? And so we all put a little note in our diaries, November 11th, 2007, Bali's makeover. So in the lead up to the big day, I fretted over where to go for my haircut, you know, do I just go to a haphazard barber, you know, Um, but I I wanted special treatment, come on, you know. (laughs) So I started researching and found what seemed to be an amazing hair salon in the village. But they were fully booked. So not giving up, I called on the day and they had a cancellation at the end of the day. Book me in, I declare, and decided to be upfront about my situation. So I've got really long hair in a turban. I've never cut it and I don't know what I want. So I'm really nervous. So the lovely guy exclaimed with tremendous joy, great, this is going to be so much fun. (laughs) I was relieved, yet still apprehensive at that point. So I had the last appointment of the day around 6.30 that evening. we had arrived early and I wasn't ready to go in in yet. So Riss lit up a cigarette and struck up some non-triggering banter while we waited outside. (laughs) Soon I heard the door open and out walks the hairdresser, Sean, uh, who also lights up a cigarette. So whilst taking in a drag, he looks over at Riz, me, Stevie, then me, exhales, so am I cutting your hair? Uh, Yeah. am I going to hell for this? (laughs) Best moment. (laughs) So moments later, we're inside the salon. The silence is super awkward. It's like, it's really tense. I take a seat in the salon chair. You know, the first time ever in my life, its well-oiled swiveling ability makes my descent into that leather pad very awkward. I look in the mirror and Sean is waiting patiently behind my chair, so I begin undoing my turban and unravel my hair from its top knot, these days known as a man bun, (laughs) revealing a cascade of black hair down my back, and we began. So I found myself sitting dead still in that chair for a good hour. I was terrified that if I moved my head at any given moment, I might find a pair of small scissors embedded in my face. My moneymaker. <laughs> so in that chair, I started to um, share my process of getting to this moment with Sean. You know, everyone asks all these questions. Where are you from? Where, where, where. And uh, my dad is a Sikh priest, a leader in the global Sikh community, and there was no love lost in me doing this. And by the end of my appointment, Sean confessed that his only other experience of a sick guy cutting his hair was a classmate in high school back in Canada who cut off his hair without speaking to his parents and returned to school the next day with a black eye caused by his own father. Yeah. So, sharing my story with Sean um, allowed for an opportunity that my story was a new story for him that didn't leave him with the experience of abuse and conflict but love, honesty and understanding. And never has a haircut been as, as profound. So ultimately disappointed since then. <laughs> Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for listening. Please rate and review the Queer Stories podcast to boost my ego and help spread the word. For tickets and dates, follow Queer Stories on Facebook. And for late night rants and photos of my dog, Frank, follow me, Maeve Marsden, on Twitter. For discount tickets to my shows, as well as other perks, become a supporter of my work on Patreon for as little as $4 a month. Details on mavemarsden.com.
0: Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best.